Hey everybody, welcome to the Together We Thrive podcast. Um, today is an exciting guest, and this is somebody that I think there's going to there's going to be lots of information that people can take away from this and apply themselves because, like we've just been saying off off camera, aren't we, before we started recording this, Rob, about how some businesses have, have really flourished as a result of. The, the the COVID situation that we're actually in. And you've done that the same, haven't you, as well? You've really accelerated. You've taken on more staff. You've gone to, you know, what, you, what you're running with, 10, is it you said now? Nine, 10 people? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, before we jump into all that kind of stuff, let's just give everyone that's either watching or listening to this a little bit of a, a, a background. So, like, who is Rob? Okay. So, uh, I'm the I'm managing director and founder of Blue Recruit. Uh, we're an independent recruitment business based in Rotherham, my hometown, um, and we service clients across the Sheffield City region of all sizes, all industries, helping them find high quality, high caliber, temporary and permanent staff. Um, and then once they've got them, we work with them on retention strategies so they can hold on to their best people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's in a, in a nutshell what we do. Um, yeah. Good man, good man. And so like, why why like what's different about glue like what because there's obviously lots of recruitment companies out there and we're going to jump into this a little bit in, in, in a while but i mean like why why is glue different to anybody else that's doing this well but it's hard you know because when you just you and you just do it it's really hard to, to answer that but i think that's probably the thing for us i've worked in this industry for, for 15 years it's a long time in recruitment typically burnout is two years if you make it to five it's a miracle so 15, <laughs> <laughs> so, so 15 is why i look like this john basically um but i think i think what makes us different is we're just ourselves we're just normal the way i'm speaking to you now is the way i speak to anybody and um, we you know we're, we're down to earth that's one of our our core values down to earth friendly reliable committed if we're in it we're in it and we're in it together and we'll make it work it's that kind of thing um, we're not blaggers we're not salespeople. we're honest we're legit we, we just genuinely want to do the right thing and um you know make friends with people network with people refer business to each other so it's i guess it feels a bit more like a I hate it being called a recruitment agency because it's got such a bad stigma attached to it. It feels a bit more like a club. And when people join the club, they tend to stay and get their friends to come and join as well. And that's what nice. like. I love it. I love it. Let's just, I mean, just, just to dial back slightly then, you said that you're not salespeople. Hmm. Do you I mean, expand on that. I mean, like, do you, do you really believe that you're not salespeople or do you know, like, I mean, like what, what is a salesperson to you? Uh, we are salespeople in the sense that obviously we have to sell. We do new business development all the time to try and get more clients on board. Um, but we just our approach, we, we try not to we try not to be salesy. You know, every, everyone has a different approach, and I'm sure that what works for us won't work for other people. And perhaps perhaps we are more salesy than than I think we are. Um, I just I hate I hate someone feeling like they've been sold to by us. I hate yeah. it. I hate yeah. that feeling yeah. because it's such a thing in our industry that I try everything I can just to kind of call up, make friends, talk about if there's a way that we can help them solve any problems. Yeah. Um, if it ever feels salesy, it just makes me die a bit inside. Of course, I totally get that. Do, do you think that, do you think that, because I suppose the recruitment industry is very much a bit of a boys club, isn't it? It's got that kind of bro mentality around it, hasn't it? Is that what you think gives it a bit of a bad rep? I don't know if it is like that. I think it's, I don't think it's that that gives it a bad rep. I think it's a lot of 
a lot of people think in my job that, like when I, when I started in recruitment, my dad said to me, your job must be brilliant, Rob. He said, because you've got people who want a job and you've got people who are hiring and all you've got to do is match them up. And honestly, that is like 5% of my job, if that. <laughs> but in terms of like new business acquisition and selling against the industry, the challenge is the agencies that are high volume, low margin, because it's literally just the numbers game. Can you walk, can you talk, have you got a pulse? Can you start on Monday? And, yeah. they, know, and they know that if they've booked 20 in to start on Monday, that five will probably turn up. Right. So we're, we're, we're not that, we're kind of high quality, you know what I mean, lower volume, but we'd rather make sure it's thorough and it's good. So I liken us to a bit more of, um, you'll probably find through this by the way, that I'm the king of analogies and I'm really cheesy. But, um, <laughs> I liken us to the uh, like the, the Waitrose or the Marks and Spencer's sandwich. It's going to cost you a couple of quid more, but it's going to taste a load better and you're going to want it again. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, you've got like your pound bakery, it's going to be a cheap sandwich and it's like any other sandwich kind of thing. So I try, I try our best to not be like that. And also in our industry, there's a lot of CV farmers where there's a lack of quality around meeting candidates, understanding candidates, matching candidates. It's literally just throw as many CVs as you can at the wall and hopefully one of them will stick and you'll get a fee off it. Um, which I don't think people want, we don't want to do that either. We want to make sure when we're placing someone and we're changing someone's career, it's all for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately in our industry, there's a lot of people that don't work like that and it gives the rest of us a bit of a bad name and it's tricky to sell against. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, like if, if that's, is that known within the industry or is that known across the board like is our companies aware that that's what's happening as well as or is it just like an industry inside thing i think i think both you know if yeah. you, the number of like when i speak to new clients they tell me that on a daily basis they get on average 15 to 30 calls from recruiters daily so you know you times that by five it's a load so i imagine well first of all that like most salespeople, they don't take your call it's very difficult to to get through to them and to and to and to demonstrate your difference that early on when you've not even met them. Yeah. What we find is that if, if we can get the in, if we can get the meeting, if we can get one of these type of things, we will 100% win the business because they'll see the difference. They'll see that we're just normal people. They see we care, we're passionate. Yeah. The challenge is getting through the door because everybody is doing old school sales. It's old school yeah. email campaigns, old school sales calls. It's, and it's just so we, we try our best. Yeah. yeah. It's just horrible. And, and I think that's one of the things that, that I've really been hitting home with people. What I'm what I'm training people at the minute is to, you know, come away from that old school boiler room tactic of, you know, 50, 60, 100 dials a day and trying to build something that's a lot more personalized to that individual, that's relevant to that individual mm-hmm. and, and finding them in a place that you can really start to build that rapport. And I think that's the, the issue that, that people don't want to do because you've got to put a little bit more like leg working up at the front end to, to be able to cut through that noise because it's so easy. And I think that like, what, I, I was having this argument, well, not argument, but this this debate the other day with somebody and, and we were talking about like, well, John, if you're teaching everybody the same thing, do you know about, do you know, do, do stop cold calling people, start making it more personal, reach out to them, build a connection. If you're teaching everybody the same thing, then everyone's going to be doing the same thing and we're not going to stand out. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. In theory, that makes sense, but it never does because if you take the group of people that I'm training, there's probably going to be between 10 to maybe 30% that's actually going to really take on board the stuff that I'm telling them to do. And they're going to get wildly like successful results. The, you know, the, the next probably 60% plus will do a little bit, 
and 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 see maybe a little tweak, and then the other 10, 30 percent or whatever it is, they'll just do nothing whatsoever, and nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's everyone's looking for that shortcut, aren't they? Looking for that easy, easy, easy in, easy mm-hmm. connect, easy commission, easy payday. And I think that that it's it's just I don't know. That's just a weird place to be, isn't it? It's just people. It, it feels really old that, and if I'm honest with you, I, I try and monitor where we get our new business from, our sales from, our new meetings from, and it doesn't come from that anyway, John. You know what I mean? I could sit here now and do 100 calls. Yeah. You, know, you, you can hire people that can do that, but um, one thing that I don't do here, which I know a lot of recruitment agencies do, and I think causes some of this problem, is I don't KPI our consultants on number of calls, number yeah. of CVs you submit, because if you're targeted on that, you're going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. You can do everything you need to need to do to hit that number. Yeah. So we, we don't we don't go down that route. We're not you know you're not targeting how many CVs you submit, how many interviews you arrange. It's more about the quality of the process, the consultativeness of the process, the fills, that kind of thing. And also, I think coming back to what you just said, you know, if you teach everyone the same, then everyone's doing the same, we're not different. It's unique because you selling to someone will be different to me selling to someone, and who might not who might buy from you might not buy from me, and vice versa. So we try and be really personable, and I know that's right, cheesy that word, but but it's true. It's true. It's it true. Yeah. And and I think that it's it's something that no one's really doing. I know it's something that sounds quite cheesy, but hardly anybody's doing it because again, everyone's looking for this, you know, this silver bullet. Everyone's looking for the the copy and paste technique that that they can automate the journey and make it as simple as possible, rather than humanizing everything. And, and, and being, as you say there, really personal with that person. And, and, and it's more enjoyable. Makes it more enjoyable. Oh, yeah, 100%, 100%. Definitely. So, so like, I mean, let, let's jump back into it. So, so it is sales. You don't, but you're not considering yourself as a, as a sales person per se. Um, why, I mean, why recruitment then, firstly? Like, let's, I mean, like, what, why did you decide to get into recruitment? <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I'd have asked myself that 15 years ago. 15 years ago, yeah. yeah. Um, I think, to be honest with you, I worked before recruitment, I worked in banking and I did it since I left school. Uh, so, you know, personal finance, mortgages, credit cards, finance. And I never left school like most people thinking I want to do sales. You, you just fall into it, don't you? Of course, yeah. Person. But when I worked at the bank, I, I was one of the top salespeople and I never felt like I never felt it was an effort. It just was just normal to me. Um, so after I did enough of sorting everyone else's finances out, um, I registered with a recruitment agency if I, and, I, and I didn't really know what one did. And um, that just gave me first insight into those people, help people find jobs. And then I saw a job advertised, which in hindsight was crazy because I was in a permanent job. I saw a job advertised for a maternity cover contract in recruitment with an attempt. So I applied for it. Um, they didn't get back to me. So me being me, I picked phone up to manager and just said, have you had an application? And, uh, and she loved that, as you yeah. would, as I would do, if she sent that to me. Um, and then it all stemmed from there. So I started off working for Office Angels, big national corporate agency, ran a temps desk for them, one of their busiest temps desk in country. Um, then I got my own branch in Nottingham. I was young, single, tie free at time. So I moved over there, got a flight in city centre, ran Nottingham branch. And then... Um, it all just progressed on there, really. I just and I miss Rotherham, you know, as you always do, it pulls you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man, good. So, I mean, in 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 terms of that, then, it, like, was the was the places that you were working for, like, were they were they that bad that you thought actually I want to make this better, or was it? I mean, like, what like what was the kind of transition from you doing it for somebody else to thinking actually 
do you know, I want to make this a bit more personal. I want to make, I want to improve it. I want to change the, uh, what, like what happened? I think you see things, don't you? you know, when you've worked in industry for a long time, you see the good and the bad and the ugly. And I think so, especially when I worked for Office Angels, which I love, by the way, and it was a brilliant footing. Towards the end, some of the whole corporate stuff I felt was preventing sometimes doing the right thing or doing doing the um, creative thing or the modern thing. It was just because if we change that, we have to change that for the entire branch network. Yeah. So we can't do it. Whereas you'd think, you know, LinkedIn was emerging, Twitter was emerging. We need to be on those platforms, stuff like that. So I think it was just taking the good, the good bits from what I'd learned elsewhere and understanding the bits that didn't work, not only for us internally, but for clients and candidates externally. And then thinking, actually, I could fix that. If I had the chance to do it on my own, I could fix them things and, you know, take the good bits, but also make the, the bad bits much, much better. Yeah, yeah. When we first set up, um, I wanted it to feel really like personable, down to earth. So the whole branding's cartoony, a bit of a nod to Pete McKee, who's one of my favorite artists. Um, and it's got a lot of local colloquialisms in, a bit like, you know, A up now then, that kind yeah. of stuff. And people, people love it because it just feels a bit like, you're in your living room having a cup of tea with someone and that's how I want it to feel when you're dealing with us. Um, Good. I suppose that's in summary, really. What, did, did, did you consider, like, when you was trying to go down that, a bit cartoony, a bit peep the key, a bit, you know, A up now and then, all that kind of stuff, did you, did you ever worry that you might lose the professionalism by going down that route? I mean, like, what was going on in your head? Did you, did you worry about it or did you just think, no, that's what I believe in, that's what I'm going to do? At that, 100%. And to be honest, another thing about our industry, not, not across the board, but a big chunk, is, you know, the whole corporate stock images of, like, two people shaking hands with a briefcase in their hand? It, it literally makes me want to be sick. And I think a lot of people, it's old school, it's tired, it's all that. Yeah. You know, again, in terms of, like, a fresh branding, a fresh approach, I wanted it to stand out. You know, when all of our business cards have got the uh, the caricatures on, so when you give someone one, it's almost like they're collecting like cards, you know, like you used to do when you were a kid, because they want all everyone's different caricature. When you go to a networking event, the branding really pops out, and pe the number of people that say to me, "Oh, I love your caricature," or they, they recognise the branding. So yeah, I, I weren't really fearful because if someone, if a company wanted that corporate that I think's old school, we probably aren't for them. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, we we've got to go after the people that are right for us, and, and we're right for them. Definitely not. It makes total sense. What's what's changed, Rob? Like, so in, in 15 years that you've been in there, has the industry changed? Is it the same? Are they holding on to the old school, old style ways? Or like, what's what's changing in that space? Loads, really. I mean, on, on a year to year basis, forgetting this year for a moment, it flips from being an employer led market to a candidate led market. And that's challenging. Um, because obviously we have to do a lot of work with employers around if it's a candidate-led market and they've got two or three opportunities, we have to work with the employer on really interviewing well and selling yours to make sure you get that candidate plus the finish line. And sometimes that can be tricky because there can be a perception of the candidate should want this job. Yeah. Um, so it changes all the time. Um, I mean, LinkedIn has become huge. LinkedIn is basically a job board for recruiters. Yeah. You know, so even if, what I find is even if people are in a job, they're still open to hearing about other things which might be a better job for them. Yeah. We're constantly talking to the active job seekers who are genuinely looking. And we're also talking to the passive job seekers around, you know, you might be happy where you are, but what would it take to turn your head? Yeah. Um, candidates are hard come by. You know, there's a, there's a perception that there's loads of people looking for work and they should be lucky to work here and have a job. 
but you know, real good candidates, the real stars that you want, are really, really hard to find. Um, and they're hard to move, you know, because if they're that good, their employer where they're working now is going to counter offer them. So we have to manage that process. If they're that good, there'll be two or three other people that want them, so it can be a competitive process. Yeah. Um, obviously, this year, loads has changed. Things like this, we're doing interviews yeah. with Zoom. We've had for the first time this year a, a company not only interview, but offer a job to someone on Zoom who they've never physically met. And the start of the remote, you know, the chain, it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this year's a bit of a write-off in 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 one respect, but it's a fresh start in another, isn't it? As well, which is which is just fascinating as well. Mm. Um, I mean, like in terms of LinkedIn, I mean, LinkedIn's a massively. I think it's really underestimated how powerful it is, and I think a lot of people aren't really jumping into that space. Uh, nowhere near, and I say aggressive. I don't mean aggressive in in like an aggressive way. But I mean, you know, a tactical way. You know, jumping into that space strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that there's a tool that I use, absolutely wonderful as well, called Crystal Nose K N O W S. And you're familiar with DISC DISC assessments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, what Crystal does is it's a it's like an it's like a um, a, a Google Chrome extension that sits over top of LinkedIn and what it's doing is it's running a disk assessment on the person that you're looking at and it'll come back based on the information that they've used the articles that they've wrote the inf- all the stuff that they've shared and it'll tell you what disk type they are whether they're a D you know like whatever they fall into but it also tells you what language to use to speak to them so you know rather than saying like hi or hello say hey or just use the name don't mm-hmm. sign off this way sign off this way if you have a meeting with them make it sharp, make it this, don't, you know, don't butter it up with all this kind of stuff. And so as a tool for you to be able to connect, it, it's just, it's so powerful mm. for you to be able to understand the language that the person wants to be communicated with. Because mm. I think it's very easy for us to fall into a, um, what I call inside language. You know, you know, all the, all, all the, all the buzzwords and all the sexy words that's relevant to your industry, but they may not. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it's very easy for us to fall into that trap. But LinkedIn, I mean, like, do you find that it's it's good for both candidates and yeah. vendors or, do you know? 100%. So interestingly, 80% of our new clients, as in companies that use our recruitment service, come from a LinkedIn sale rather than really? Yeah. Really? And, and, and so what are you doing to, 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 to kind of win that business then? How do you do that? I think, you know, like you've just said, there's this, you know, like the usual emails that you get, like, you know, dear John, hope you keep him well. They don't, they don't give a shit if you well. So it's that, it's, we, we just talk to people on a normal level and we don't waffle and we kind of get to the point of the reason that we're wanting to talk to those people. Yeah. And it might not be for now, you know, we, we're not saying we want to recruit for you now, it's just more making you aware of our services for the future and then we make sure that's kind of backed up by a follow-up, follow-up plan. But yeah, for candidates and clients, it's it's really it's, it's amazing for both, you know. Yeah. We don't actually. A lot of people say, "Do you use the paid for version?" We don't. We use the we all use the free version, and we yeah. still manage to get the results from it that we need. Of course, no, it's, it is powerful, and I think that that like you've just said, then that kind of stuff. What I what I do, what works really well for me, and what I what I like to show other people to do is, if I go to your profile and I look at an article that that you've written or something that's interesting to you. And I'll go and build some personal personalization around that. Now, I'm not going to hard cut that with, you know, hey, Rob, I see that you're into, you know, Aston Villa. Um, like, football's great, by the way, buy my product. You know, there's, there's no connect, there's no hook. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're talking about something that's really relevant to the industry and how I can help you, 
then a great way for me to get your attention is by talking about something that obviously you're interested in. Yeah. So, you know, my opening, you know, hi, Rob, um, the reason I'm messaging you, I've just read your article, you know, 10 ways to, you know, I don't know, keep your staff motivated. By the way, I really like number three, which talks about, you know, daily meditation. Actually, it's one of the things that I think is really, really big. And one of the things that I help people do is, you know, get focused and aligned through meditation as well. I don't know if you're open to an idea, but I'd love to jump on a call with you sometime in the future to maybe have a chat about that, you know. Mm. And so, again, it's, it's, it's not salesy. It's very, very personal, but it's got a lot of relevance behind it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Because there's also, there's some value in there, you know. It's someone who's read what you've put out there. They've listened to what you've said. And yeah. there's mutual value for both parties. And as long as you can position that right, why would you not? Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that, that's the word there, isn't it? Position it right. Because there's so many that try to do the, the kind of fake personalization, but then there's no, there's no hook. There's no connection. There's certainly no relevance there. It's like, hey, John, I see that you went to this school or this college or this university. I, and it's like, okay, yeah, and what? Yeah, where you going with this one? Yeah, yeah and what? Yeah, I didn't go there like that. that mate, you're talking 25 years ago. Do you know, like, yeah. I give a shit about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, no, no, that's really interesting. Um, I, I remember a conversation that we had, Rob, um, a while back, and you were talking about somebody, I think it was somebody that had come to work for you or certainly someone that you know that's in the industry. And and, and they were saying, you know, Rob, this this has got to be one of the hardest ways to make money. Why the hell are we doing this? Like, like tell me a little bit about that. I mean, why is it so hard, do you think? Um, it's one of them, honestly, it's one of them jobs that's really, really hard to explain, even to you other half or anybody, because they think they understand, but unless you've worked in it, it's so it's, it's such a unique industry. It's incredibly fast-paced, there's not enough hours in the day. Most recruiters are working from half past seven till six o'clock every day, Monday to Friday, as, as a minimum, really, because you've got to be working before and after work to get all the candidates, because the good ones are normally in work, so they're harder to get hold of. Um, I read something once, uh, you might have seen it actually on, um, on social media, which said being a recruiter is like <clears throat> being a Windows device with 10,000 tabs open at once. And that's exactly right, because you can't, it's like having all these plates spinning where you think, oh, I need to speak to him about that job. Oh, he's yeah. not good for that job, but he could be good for that one. But, you, but everybody wants fills now, 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 now. Yeah. Manage expectations, hell of a lot of work to manage. And actually what we do is... We haven't got a product to sell. We're just selling a service and we're selling a person. So we could do all the right things. We could be the best recruiter ever. But if that person lets us down, it reflects on us, which is, is tricky. Of course. Um, and I think um, we, we work for free. You know, we, we work on a, if we don't place your vacancy, we don't charge you anything. So, and the reason for that is we want to be motivated to make sure that we do fill it. But, you know, you, we could bear the cost of advertising, bear the cost of all the overheads, the salaries. We could... Um, find a great candidate, but someone just approaches directly who is as good and they take them instead and we make nothing from it. Yeah. So that's what's unique about it. You can sometimes work for nothing for a period of time and, and get no results from it. Get no results from it. How, how are you tracking all this? Are you, do you use like a C, have you got a CRM system that you're using? Yeah, yeah, we have yeah. a CRM that we use. What, yeah. what do you use? What's What works for you? It's a, it's a recruitment specific one that we use um, called Chameleon Eye. And that's where we all have like client and candidate information. We log all our CVs, we arrange all our interviews. Oh, yeah. 
our, our data from. But to be honest, we have a bit of an old school whiteboard system as well, where we, we talk about the jobs we're working on, the candidates we're working on, hot candidates that we're trying to get out for interview, what stuff's at decision, what stuff we're chasing interviews for. And we have regular morning updates around all that stuff. Yeah. Because so we're probably working on a minute 50 odd jobs. Right. So we, we have to pull to the surface what the absolute priority stuff is and split that work out. And that's what these morning meetings are for. Definitely so. Definitely so. Do, do you think that? like in your industry is everybody else doing that the same way or is this one of the things that maybe makes you stand a little bit taller than everybody else in the fact that you know you really care yeah 100 i think if you when we did our values we um we asked our clients the, the people who basically are friends with us who come back to us time and time again that won't go anywhere else because we've built that relationship we asked them about what they thought our key our core values would be and the kind of things that came out are like care committed distinct reliable honest yeah so i think yeah i think they're the things that we do well you know a lot of people say they do them but i think we do them really well yeah no totally and i think that care is so it's so i mean it's one of the things that i i bang on about all the time is you, know, you can you can give me anybody that you want you know introverts extroverts ambiverts bloody aliens like whatever you want to give and you can teach them all the right tools the right pattern the right phrases the right systems and the thing that's always going to going to get in their way is if they don't care. Mm. You know, if they don't have a genuine care to help that client win, that that I find is the is the final piece of juice, the puzzle mm. to, to to fixing the jigsaw. I agree. And do you know what? I wouldn't employ someone that didn't. So when I when I interview for us, I'm a big believer in gut instinct, and I know what it takes to be successful. And to be honest, if I look at my best people here. My best people here, my top performers, did not come from recruitment and didn't come from sales. Right. I recruit people based on attitude and that that stuff that you've just mentioned. Um, the, the rest you can train. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I think for one of one of my weaknesses, whether you see this as a weakness or not, is that I worry too much. And if I've if I've committed to do something, if I've spoke to a client and, and I've told them that we're a great agency, we'll find the best person. I will, I will worry until we've delivered and, and proved that. Yeah. So it, the care thing for us is just absolute top. Top level, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So I, I think that you probably worry about that more than anybody else as well because the fact that it is so top level for you. Yeah. Um, last couple of things, Rob. So like sales versus marketing, you know, like, like what's most important for you? Do you think that sales is more important or is marketing more important or... Because it's, it, I mean, it's coming together. Do you know, you've got all this sales enablement bullshit that, that everyone's trying to peddle right now as well and social selling. And it's, there's all this hybrid world of stuff that's going on right now. But I think there still is, like, they do work together really, really well. But I think there still is a very, very clear line between when marketing stops and selling starts. Like, what, what's your kind of take on all this? I mean, again, I might, might not be the best person to answer this, but I, you know, the whole email spam, that's again, it's very old school. It's been done to death. And it's just throw some mud at wall and hope it sticks in it. So I always think a sales strategy underpinned with clever marketing for the clients in that sales strategy should work really well combined together on a on a repeat and, and frequent basis, but not to a point where you're pissing people off. Yeah. Yeah. So we try and be very careful to tailor the things that we do. So, you know, we're not the kind of business that will ring on a Monday and ring again on a Wednesday. I'd, you probably say, but I get sales calls all the time and they'll ring me at nine o'clock 
and the same numbers ringing again at 10. And you just think, you know, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't even know what you're selling, but I don't even want to talk to you. So we try and vary our sales, um, our sales tactics. So it includes some sales, it includes some LinkedIn. Sometimes we just turn up with some bums or some donuts, you know? Sometimes we might might go out with a candidate's CV and talk to the client about that candidate. So we try and vary, but we always make sure it's underpinned by by value add marketing. So it might be, if we notice that a company's recruiting, um, you know, you can't assume that they are they they know the right things to ask an interview. So we might underpin some marketing to those people. Of look, we're not recruiting for you, but we've noticed that you're recruiting. Here's some great questions to ask an interview. Yeah, yeah. Try and be really clever around stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's hard to measure results from. I don't know if you find the same. It's hard to measure results from marketing. I find. I think I think that I, yes, I, I agree. But I think it, I disagree if it's done right. And I think that's the problem is that no one's doing it right. Everyone, like you just said, they're trying to throw enough shit at the wall, hoping something's going to stick. And, and, and they're just purely doing activity, hoping that that activity is going to lead to an outcome. Mm. Whereas like what I've always tried to get people to think about is let's reverse engineer that. Like what's the outcome? What's the key wins that you need to get? And that'll tell you what activity you need to do. And I think that when you can reverse engineer it that way, and, and build a strategy that says, right, so this is the outcome. We know to get this outcome, this needs to happen. And for this to happen, we this tells us what we need to do, the mm-hmm. activity levels. And I think that when you can start to do it like that, then you've got a very clear path that you can maybe KPI, you can maybe measure, you can maybe start to track, mm-hmm. and you can you can start to see how the ROI starts to look on that side of stuff. But it's difficult when when you are in a fast a fast-paced environment, you know, and you're trying to trying to be innovative and you're chucking all this different stuff and everything's the plates are all spinning 100 miles an hour to be able to stand back and look and say you know actually you know maybe we should maybe we should have a go at this maybe we should try this because like mm-hmm. i'm seeing good results from this from somewhere else and and, and it's the whole coaching stop start continue do you know do you know is this something that we're doing right now that's not working and we need to stop is it something that do you know um that, that we've been talking about looking at for a while and we've not actually got started on just yet so we need to start it or is it something that just works because like, if it's working like don't change it just continue doing it mm. and and i think there's a lot of self you know self coaching that, that people can do to be able to start to identify that as well which again people just aren't doing because they're not living in the present moment they just go 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 yeah. all the time that sounds like me, hundred <laughs> percent. I think uh, we've got a, we've got a marketing strategy. You know, we do regular email marketing, we do regular social marketing, we do some paid marketing. But I just find it difficult to monitor the results that come from it. We tend to find that the, the new clients that come on, they've all seen it, they've seen the social stuff, they've seen the email stuff, and that's just reinforced the brand and it's enabled yeah. to have that conversation. Yeah. But it's very very rare in my industry that someone will be marketed to and they'll go. Oh, you know, thanks oh, for by the way, yeah, yeah, I don't think it works like that in, in, in many industries, to be fair. I think it is a collective, like, it's like, it reminds me of the film, you know, the, um, the Will Smith film that he did with that Margot Robbie called Focus. I've not seen it. So it's a good film. It's not, I mean, it's probably not one of his best ones, but it's a really good one. Um, and, and the kind of hook of it is that they're con artists. Um, and they've just, they've just, I don't know what, I don't know how they've got it. I can't remember, but they've got a million pounds and they go to like a, like a, a Super Bowl game type game and they're in one of the executive suites. And so he starts betting with one of the kind of rich guys in the suite. And it's, they start off on a little small bet saying, you know, I bet number 47 gets to the touchline before number 42 does and he loses. 
and then he bets a bit more money and he loses again. And it's like, you know, I bet he scores the next touchdown. And he lo- and so throughout the duration of this 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 afternoon or day, whatever it is, he's lost the entire million pounds. Mm-hmm. And so as he's leaving, his girlfriend is kicking his ass. You know, he's in he's in bother. And as he's leaving, he just he does the good old Columbo, he just pops his head back through the door and just says one more thing. He's like, double O quits. And he's like, Are you serious? He's like, Yeah, let's do it. It's just money. And he says to him, he says, I want you to get the binoculars, look at the entire stadium, players included, and pick anybody in the audience that you want. And my missus will pick the same person. And he's like, seriously? Anyone? He's like, anyone that you want. So he gets the glasses, the binoculars, and he's looking over on the stadium. And he looks right down at the front, he sees a guy with number 52 on his back in the audience, quite a big guy. And he says, right, I've got him. Do you want me to write it down? He says, no, I trust you. Just, just, just let's go with it. So he passes the binoculars to his girlfriend. She looks around the stadium like this, looks all around, sees the same guy up at the front with 52 on his jersey on the back and says, it's the guy down at the front with 52. And the rich guy's just like, whoa, what the hell's just happened? Like, how on earth is that even possible? 20, 30, 40,000 people in the stadium. And what's happened is, is it shows you what's happened prior to them getting to the stadium. So the guy that when he, when he arrived in the airport, the private limousine that picked him up had 52 on the number plate. When he got inside it, the radio station were channel 52. The song that we're playing, we're talking about numbers 52. The hotel room that he got to was room 52. His chandelier had 52s in there. And what they've done is they pre-programmed him so that when he looked, the only thing he could see was number 52. And I think that's very similar to what we do in terms of the, the outreach that we're doing is that email campaign on its own, is a version of a number 52. That connection request on LinkedIn is a number 52. That personalized outreach message, 52. And, and, and that, that drop-in, that call, that tip, that value added is, is 52 so that when they're ready to pick that number, i.e. your services, all they see is Glue Recruit and Rob. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good, good analogy. That I need to watch that film. It sounds good. <laughs> this is a good film, actually. There's, there's yeah. a Jim Carrey. I don't know if Jim Carrey film. It's a bit of a, again, not the best Jim Carrey film. He actually plays a serious person in this one, and it's right. called Number Thirteen. Have you ever seen that before? Um, yes, I have. Yes, yeah, yes, that's good. Because he becomes obsessed by numbers, and he becomes obsessed by that number thirteen, and, and yeah. again, he just sees it everywhere. Everywhere. And it just multiplies, and he starts seeing all different numbers, and everything becomes numbers. So I agree with you. I know what you mean. I know yeah, it's no. right as well, you know. It is right. You, you, it's the same for us, isn't it? You know, it's like remarketing on Facebook. You can go on, I don't know, ASOS or something. You can put something in your basket and not buy it. And then suddenly on your Facebook feed, it's like, oh, what about this? What about this? You think you're yeah. going have a you got that. No, because tracking you and following you around everywhere you go. No, yeah. definitely so. Definitely so. Bob, what's... Um... What's 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 next for you guys then? So do you know, I I'll tell you why I said that is I remember when we bumped into each other because we've not seen each other for a few years, and then we bumped into each other probably four or five years ago, didn't we, over in Doncaster? And I think at the time there was just you, mm. or maybe just one, one, maybe you plus one. And I remember the conversation as clear as day, and we talked about this actually recently, didn't we? I remember the conversation clear as day. Rob saying to me, John, I want to keep a little boutique little agency. I ain't going big. I don't want to like take it to that that degree. And the next thing, Bob's there, he's sat there with ten staff under his belt, you know, like, I, I, and that's fascinating. But what's next? What's the next thing that's going to come? Are you going to are you going to consolidate the ten? Are you going to keep on growing? Like, what's what's the, what's what's going to happen there? Well, we're currently looking for two more. So that's going to be one. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's. It, I said to you before, again, I don't mind sharing my weaknesses. One of my weaknesses is I'm not a very good forward planner. 
I'm very, very good common sense and I'm very good at with gut instinct knowing. For example, if we want to deliver this high caliber service, we've got a core set of clients that we can do that to now really well. If that core set of clients increases, the only way of continuing to deliver that same level of service is to get more people in delivering the same. So I've always kept, that's how we've grown really. So when I got on my own at Garage, as you know, I slept up in my own Garage, we and I cleared yeah. desk and locked my phone. Did that for nine months until one day I was sat with job specs all around me thinking, shit, I can't be this guy to all these people. So at that point, bring the next one in. And we've always kind of organically gone like that. Um, so, and that's where we are now. So I think through the, through what's just happened this year, a lot of recruitment agencies took their foot off the gas. Right. Um, they consolidated, they protected the money in the bank, they stopped selling, which probably in some ways was the safest thing to do. But I saw that as an opportunity to kind of fight through. So that's why I thought, no, I'm doing the opposite. I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna appropriately sell. I'm yeah. gonna, you know, make sure that all these candidates that have been affected, we we understand and we speak to, so that we can be the best agency to try and find something. We we've picked up three new staff, four new staff actually during the last um, nine months. Um, because when we do come out of it, which I feel like we will do, we, we're getting close now. Yeah. I want I want to have an army set up and ready, whereas others are going to be a bit more on the back foot. That's always yeah. the so the future for me. I always look to end of my nose, and that's where I am now. And at the moment, two more people. And then my plan will be as long as them two people come in and value add, we can start putting some structure and divisionalized things and things like that. Um, personally, I'd like to be less in the business and more on the business, but we're just not there yet. And I'm stupidly addicted to it, so let's carry on. <laughs> what needs to change for you to be able to be in that position then? Like for you to be able to spend more time on it than in it, what, what's the kind of what, what needs to happen? Well, we, we've spoken about this before, haven't we? Part of it is me just letting go. Yeah. Um, that's that's a big issue for me. Um, but I've got a team that are great and I trust that I've got the top performers. And um, it's just recruiting, training, developing, and getting to a point where you think, you know, we're, we're, we're good now and, and taking a step back. I already have dropped to Friday where I can. Yeah. So I'm working four days rather than five. Um, I probably, John, could do a lot le less in it now, but I'm. You enjoy I'm, it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. And, I'd miss it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, good man, good, good. Um, what, what I, one of the new things that I'm going to do when I'm signing off on the podcast is, and I think this is one of the things I mentioned to you when we, when we first spoke about this, is that like nine to five, Rob's a, you know, he's a, he's a badass MD, building businesses, serving businesses incredibly well, you know, recruiting, doing all the stuff that you do all the time. What we often don't see with businesses, though, is, is who is Rob 5 to 9? So, you know, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., like, what, what's, what's Rob's world all about there? Like, what happens? Are you your dad? Do you know, like, what, what's, what's the story? So, I mean, typically, I get home at the earliest at 6 o'clock because recruitment's really long hours. I've got two young kids. In, uh, my little boy's 10 now, and the little girl is 7. I know it's going to last, isn't it? My word. Um, so I tend to get home, have tea, <laughs> do their bath and then before you know it after we've played a game or watched a bit of tv or a film you're in bed doing bedtime stories and yeah. generally i am i've always been the same even when i were a kid i'm an early to bed early to rise man i'd be brilliant me on an early shift that finished at two o'clock i could happily get up at four in the morning and finish yeah. at two um, so i tend to kind of read kids story go to bed with a cup of tea and then nod off and then yeah. i'm up again at six and it all starts again all sorts again, yeah. Because yeah. what, what kind of like hobbies are you into? Like what's what's the kind of passions outside of, of, of the business? Um I like I love music. So obviously music concerts, I normally go to three or four a year. 
Um, I'm, I'm always on top of Spotify and especially when the people who I like are releasing new music, I like to listen to that on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I love walking, go out on a lot of walks and I really find that helps clear my head. And sometimes if you're stressed or if, you, if you're looking for an answer to something, a problem, or you're thinking about growing like we spoke about, I just find that so, so good. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing a lot more walking recently. I've got, um, I've got three dogs. I've got a miniature Dachshund and two pugs. Um, and my kids, my kids, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if everyone else finds the same. I have no time because wow. my time is constantly full. So that walk for me is like an hour of just me time. Or when the kids have gone to bed, if I can't keep my eyes awake, I might I might read a book or I might just be flicking through some social or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm still addicted to glue recruit at that time, so I'm constantly looking. <laughs> wicked, wicked. <laughs> so so the key takeaways then, Rob, just to recap what we've talked about, you're saying, you know, personalization definitely works for you guys. Uh, LinkedIn's absolutely the place to be. Um, like email campaigns work, but only if it's got value driven, you know, it's value added marketing, that kind of stuff, not just the mass spam throw at the wall kind of stuff. Um, and, and actually give a shit, you know, care. Care and just be yourself. You know, don't try to be someone else, just be yourself. And if people don't want that, then go find another customer. Go find it. Yeah, yeah. How, how, I mean, like, how easy is that for you to come to terms with? No, A, being yourself. B, being rejected for being yourself and C, just moving on to the next. Is that is that something that you've had to develop over time or is that natural to you? I feel like I've just always been like that. And to be honest, I think in my last, this business has been training for four years. In the four years, we've only turned down two customers on the basis of we're just not right for each other. Mm-hmm. Or we think we want to place candidates in jobs where they're going to stay and I don't think you're going to look after them. So we're yeah. going to say no. Um, I've not really, I think to be honest, it's it just it just happens. Um, I think it's it's harder when you're smaller, you know. So if I was on my own in the garage for them first nine months, it would be a lot harder to turn business away because you're trying to grow it and develop it. Uh, but I feel like we've got to a point now where we can be more selective around who who we work with. Um, but like I say, we do, it don't cause much of an issue. I'm just it's one of them. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to be nice, be kind, be smart. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, that's fair enough. I tried. That's a good strategy. That's it. I like it. It's a good strategy, Rob. Good strategy. Um, where can people find out more, Rob, if they need some services from you or they want to find out a little bit more, have a little nosy round, where, where's the best place for them to go? Uh, well, they can check out our website, um, gluecritic.uk. They can give us a bell on our uh, office number, 0114-3211-873, or LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. We're really active with all our social channels. Or, uh, you know, jump on one of these Zoom calls, pop in for a brew, yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Rob, that's been brilliant. I think there's loads of insights in there for people to, to definitely take away. I think that the key thing that I want to say to people who's watching this or listening to this is that there's some stuff that we've talked about right there that you're probably thinking, wow, do you know, actually, why have I not even thought about that myself? So what I really want to encourage you to do is actually take that information and use it because I think that it's so easy for us to consume information, especially in the world that we live in right now. But if we don't do anything with that information, it's the same as not knowing about it in the first place. So no knowledge is not power and it's potential power. You've got to execute on that as well. So the real message that I want to leave this on is the stuff that we've talked about, the advice that Rob's given you, the things that we've discussed today, go and put it into action. And once again, Rob, thanks so much. That's been fantastic. Here's to the next two, two, two staff members joining Glue. Fingers crossed. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.